In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Thank you for indulging me, the great Alleluia. Um, It always reminds me a little bit of Tarzan's yell, um, though depending on my voice and the year, it's a little more like Carol Burnett's version of Tarzan's yell. Um, But uh, thank you all for trying your best. It's good warm-up for all the other Alleluias to come. I was thinking this week, that whenever I work on a sermon, whether I end up writing something down or just think it out in my head, and almost always whenever I write something, whether it's an article or a paper or or a sermon, I tend to start at the end. In other words, I usually know the point that I want to make. I have the ending in mind. I have a destination that I'm aiming for. I want to reach. And so the writing is is a kind of filling in along the way to the place that I know I want to end up at. The problem with this is that I can sometimes miss all the other possibilities along the way. If you think back to a creative writing course that I'm sure we've all had at some point, we're we're taught to brainstorm. I don't do much of that because I already know where I want to go. My my perspective is, is limited and my vision a little more narrow. As I've thought about this characteristic in writing, I I think it also carries out into other parts of life. Uh, Maybe some of you are like me, in that often we see someone approaching, a stranger, and we have in our mind an ending place of sorts. We have in our mind an assumption about that person or an expectation about how they might sound or, or what they might think or where they might come from. We can do this in other parts of our lives where we might live as though we know the ending of a story. We know the way a a date or an interview is going to turn out. We just know the ending. We know how a special occasion will be. We've been to others similar. We know the people there. We know what it'll be. We, We know the result. Sometimes we think we know The end with a journey through an illness or another kind of challenge. We've we've done our homework, we've gathered the information, and so we've got it. We know where we're headed. But again, like in writing, the problem with expecting or anticipating a particular ending is, is that we can miss all the other options all along the way. We can miss the other possibilities. We can miss the other possible courses or experiences. Our gospel tonight presents one ending to the gospel of Mark. Most of you know that the Holy Scriptures come down to us from various sources. It's not like there's one book that's been carried down through history. There are numerous versions of most books of the Bible, and some are still being found in the Dead Sea and other places. 
And so biblical scholars are still trying to determine which texts are the earliest, which texts are the most authoritative, which um, are the most definitive. Sometimes versions of the same book of the Bible differ from one another, and that's what's going on with the Gospel of Mark. Some early sources end right where we ended tonight, at chapter 16, verse 8. Others continue on. And if you have a Bible at home or with you, I bet it continues, it, I bet it contains both those versions with a couple of little footnotes explaining. And so as the gospel ends for us tonight, Jesus has been crucified. The body has been placed in the tomb. And the next day, Mary Magdalene and some of the other women take spices to anoint the body and make final preparations. But we know, as we've just heard again, that when they get there, the stone entrance is rolled away. They encounter a young man. Notice Mark doesn't say anything beyond a young man. Mark doesn't say it's an angel. And the young man tells them, he has been raised. He's not here. And the young man then tells the women to go and tell the other disciples the good news. But in this gospel, in this ending, the women leave terrified. They say nothing because they're so afraid. And that's the ending. It's a bleak ending. It's a sad ending. In some ways, it suits the character of the Gospel of Mark, which is fairly spare and short. There's no mention of John or Mary being at the cross with Jesus. And we're told even that Mary Magdalene and some of the other women are looking on, but from a distance. And so we get a sense of Jesus alone and lonely on the cross. As I mentioned, other versions of this early Gospel of Mark add a longer ending, which is in most of our Bibles. And this longer ending doesn't leave us there with everyone paralyzed by fear. Instead, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene, and then to two other disciples, and finally to all 11 disciples. And so Mark's longer version ends with Jesus commissioning the disciples to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. And then finally Jesus is taken from their midst in the ascension. And so scholars and theologians wonder about these different endings. Why did Mark do it this way? What might Mark have meant? Uh, What might the early Christian communities have meant? The ones that used the shorter ending and the ones that used the longer ending. And And then to top it all off, what might God mean for us by giving us these scriptures to wrestle with? Why not just give us one version? This Lent, this season that we've just finished at Holy Trinity, a number of us have explored these questions at our 10 o'clock adult Christian education time. We've been studying the Gospel of Mark with um, a a particularly helpful book written by the former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams. Williams offers a number of ideas for why Mark's Gospel seems to end and then has another ending. Williams suggests, helpfully, I think, that the Gospel of Mark leaves off the way it does because it's for us to finish. 
The ending hasn't been written. It's not finished because we're a part of it. As Williams writes, what Jesus did and does has no end, and certainly not in the pages of a book, because the work he does, he is doing in every new reader. And there will always be new readers. It's for us to decide whether we become part of that process of spreading the word of the resurrection that the women at first are too frightened to do. The work of Jesus in the reader is the end of the gospel. And that only ends when we see God face to face and hear how God really means to end the story. Who knows where this Easter finds each one of us or the people close to us. It might be that we've been going along and we feel like we're living in a story that's already been written. It's already got its ending. It's done. We're just showing up. But we're not restricted to any particular story. We're not restricted to the particular characters that we may attribute to one storyline or plot line. Part of the good news of Easter is that the story is not finished. That great famous movie that's shown sometimes this time of year, the greatest story ever told, it's a misnomer because with faith, with you and with me, who knows? the story may just be getting to the good part. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia.